Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think about, reflect on your business, but also integrating in some actionable items that you can weave in. I encourage you to take these podcasts and also use them as a training tool for your team, or at least let them know that these are things that are meaningful to you that you're thinking about as well. This podcast series is supported by professional modelers, as well as the leading associations, and certainly many of my strategic alliances, including Engage and others. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that I think is not only thought-provoking, but also quite relevant. And what's interesting is I think the, in many cases, the elements that are going to be more meaningful to you are not just the theme and the pain point of what this topic is all about. It's also going to be how do you go about addressing it? What are some of the prescription items that you can do? So before I get into that, I do want to kind of set the stage for the environment. You know, the environment that we're in today is different than it was during COVID and also before COVID. Coming up, I'm leading a panel on the post-COVID consumer, and what we're trying to do is really crack the code to help you understand. And there's many, many elements that I'll be unpacking in the future that I think are going to be important. If you really think about this, it's kind of 101 in sales. If you don't know who and what your client is and what they eat for breakfast and how they're thinking, the likelihood that you're going to be successful doing this. You know, I was talking to my good friend, Jane Jelski at Google, and she was sharing with me about a third of the homeowners out there that are inquiring about projects right now are just curious. They're acting like they want to do remodeling. And, you know, you really think about that. We can't treat the consumers. We can't treat certainly the leads that come into our business all equally. So talking a little bit about the environment, and there's a lot of stars and planets out there. There's a lot of key indicators that we really look at. But, you know, one of the clear things that we've seen a big shift in the last 12 to 18 months is the headwinds and tailwinds. And I've spent a lot of time talking about those things on this podcast. But the bottom line, with all the headwinds that you've had, many of those have dissipated. But also, on the flip side, you don't have the winds that are pushing things forward in terms of the phone ringing off the hook, as well as uh, order-taking kind of sales mindset today. You know, it's really, really much more challenging. And my theme and for many of you out there, you got to get out there and make your own win. You got to be focused heavily on marketing and certainly heavily on sales, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So in making your own win, I think you can do certain things. You've got to adjust, you got to pivot, and I think you're going to be uh, more successful. Uh, the second thing is the consumer. I've already mentioned about the post-COVID consumer. You know, there's a lot of words and phrases out there. And what I love about words and phrases, especially as it relates to other worlds and languages, that it helps you to understand the consumer today. You know, I've used the term, which I've certainly shared from one of my friends, Pam Tory. you know, that the consumer's feral. You know, they want to control the process. 
they're out there wanting to do their own thing. And when you Google and, and define what feral is, it means escape from captivity. Well, that's who your consumer is now. It's also very wonky, as Allison shared with me. It's very strange. It's kind of like walking into one of these carnivals with all the mirrors out there that are all distorted. You know, what the client cares about and how they're approaching their decisions is a little bit wonky. It's not very predictable and it's a little bit strange. You know, I think that when you realize that you're selling to a slightly different consumer, no different than if you're playing a sport and you're playing with a different kind of offense or a different kind of defense, you've got to adjust your strategy and game if you're going to be successful. And also that uh, I think what we've seen, and this is a master of the obvious comment, is project cost or the cost of doing remodeling is completely out of control. Now, you think back, not too many years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, something like that, where your client, while they always wanted to spend a little bit less, the idea of five to seven years ago of doing a $100,000 kitchen or $100,000 primary bathroom was really, you know, they could swallow that. They may have wanted to spend less, but they could swallow it. Then we've seen over the course of the last five years between 15 and 20% increase in project costs. When you start to do the math, you know, after about five years, you've easily doubled and sometimes even more than that, the cost of the projects. So those project costs and those projects, the client expense has gone from 100,000 to 140 to 180 to 220, and now it's above 250. And if you really think about it, at some point, at some point, you're going to say, no, enough already. I am not going to spend that kind of money. And that's what you're seeing out there with your clients. And I'm going to be talking today on this podcast of what you can do about it. Another, I think, comparison, I spent a couple of weeks ago over in Europe and I went to a restaurant with my wife and another couple and, you know, when you go to a restaurant, especially if you don't really study the reviews or you don't really look carefully at the menu, you have a certain expectation of what an entree might be comfortable in terms of what you'd spend, uh, what an appetizer might be. It doesn't mean that you're wearing a straight jacket and it doesn't mean you're not willing to pay more. What it means, though, is you have a certain scale. So, for example, I've asked several people, what are you comfortable when you go into a restaurant with uh, a cost of an entree? And I've heard from a couple of people, well, usually if the average cost of the entree is about $30 an entree, I'm pretty comfortable with that. And I say to them, well, what happens when you open up the menu and you find that the average entree is $60 or $70? And many of them answer the question just like you would, and that is, well, I excuse myself and get up and leave the restaurant, even though it's a little bit embarrassing and it's a little bit odd that I would leave the restaurant after settling in and looking at the menu. The bottom line is, at some point, that entree price is going to drive. Well, that's exactly what happened to me uh, a few weeks ago in Europe, I experienced the same thing. And, and because the cost was so, so great, way out of control, even though I could afford it, it doesn't mean I wanted to spend it. 
Now, why do I draw that peril? That's what's happened with remodeling costs. That's what's happened with your clients. Those projects that used to be 100, then they were 150, and while they squeamed a little bit about that, they could still handle it. Then it got up to two. But now that it's getting up to 250000 for a kitchen renovation, the rubber band is snapping. They're leaving the restaurant. So we've got to do something about this if, in fact, we're going to see the outcomes. I'm seeing with a lot of remodeling company, the conversion rates are going down. Uh, I'm seeing the frustration on the part of salespeople being much greater and certainly blaming this cost escalation. But we have to say enough already. We've got to do something about it. So with that being said, you know, many years ago, I as we came out of the crash of 2008, I started to think about, okay, we've got to be more hunters, not just farmers when it came to leads. But I also said at the time, what we had to do was control the fantasy with clients, not just follow the fantasy. Now, back in the go-go times of 2005, 2006, where we saw home appreciation being so great, it almost didn't matter how much they were putting in because the homes were appreciating so fast at the time. So we could follow the fantasy. You know, there was very much of this focus of keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Well, so much of that is changed right now. And what you need to do as a remodeling professional is you need to control the fantasy. You need to be more of a marriage counselor. You need more to be more of an investment advisor and certainly more of a therapist. And your strategies, while they're not 90 degree or 100 degree different than they were in the past, they are different in the sense of 5 or 10 degrees. So... With all that being said, I've come up with seven things that I would encourage you to be thinking about and doing in today's environment. Number one is educate. So when you're working with a client today, you've got to go overboard educating. Now, this is not just the sticks and bricks. This is not just the design. This is helping them understand what's going on with price escalation, with supply chain, all those kinds of things. You've got to educate them. You've got to educate them to help not sell them, but help them buy. Help them understand the dynamics, the economics, and what's going on out there. And practice some of these techniques. And the more you're proactively educating the client on what's going on out there, rather than just pricing and budgeting for the client and reacting, you're going to be more successful. Number two is go much, much deeper in the relationships. Now, a lot of people hear and they think about that and they say, why do I want to do that? Well, you want to do it because if you want to have the client make you a priority, make the project a priority, it's going to have a lot to do with the relationship. It's going to have a lot to do with you fully understanding and getting in their head. So that takes time. So for those that are having short conversations up front over the phone with client, expand those conversations. Go a little deeper on those conversations. In your meetings with the client up front, spend more time asking them why they want to do certain things, not just what they want to do. You know, have them focus on the buying process and what they're doing to in their research on these things because I think the deeper and deeper and deeper you go with the relationship, 
the more that you're going to find that you can crack the code with the client, but the more you can develop trust that they're going to listen to your advice, not just respond to your, your, your insights on pricing and then ultimately bail out on the project. Number three is in the selling process, try to use more third-party examples and phrases. Try to use more stories in the selling process of what other clients are doing and have a little bit of courage as you're telling some of these stories that you don't want to see some of the outcomes where you're going way down the design process and having the clients just bail on you because the, the, the costs have escalated because they are fantasizing about so many things. And as a result, they're not ultimately uh, 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 getting the project. So by using more third-party phrases, for example, you know, many of our clients kind of go into projects like this having a certain kind of thirst, a certain kind of scale of project they want to try to accomplish, but it's not unusual once you're engaged in the process to want to expand and expand and expand. And what we found, again, third-party, what we found with other clients, they're generally things that you have to do. You can't let the house die. There's things that you want to do that really meet your lifestyle and your family and certainly keeping up with kind of 2023 and into 2024. And then there's the things that you need to master plan for. Let's make sure at least we address the things that we have to do and the things that we respond. And then let's Think in terms of more of a master plan for those other things. And if we can fit some of those things into today's budget and investment you want to put into the project, I think that uh, that would be appropriate. Similarly, you can not only develop data and share insights on price escalation, different manufacturers, alliances, subcontracts, those kind of things. But what you can also do, I think, is, is to be able to Uh, Help the clients know from a third-party perspective what other clients. One of the fellows that I work with that's a project development, he shared with a, a story with a client, and that story was, you know, they were balking at the level of investment that was happening with this project and wanting to put the project on hold for maybe another year. And he said, you know, in all of my years, I've never had a client, never had a client say, I wish I put the project off once it was complete. You know, it's oftentimes much more about, you know, I wish I would have done this project when the kids were younger. I wish I would have done this project when my mother was alive. She would have been able to really enjoy and appreciate this. So I think dealing with some of the subjective elements when it comes to the third party uh, uh, kind of uh, bit of advice here, I think is also true. Number four is a little bit different advice. And uh, I hear almost 80% of the time, the reason that people are not proceeding right now is because of cost and cost escalation. So I know this is a little bit tough, especially if you're focused on just sales and design, but I strongly encourage you not to be reactive about the cost of projects, but to be proactive. So what do I mean by that? I would encourage, and we actually did this with our company many, many years ago, to really sit down and think about, okay, what is a better way to do a bathroom? 
What is a better way to do a kitchen or have a kitchen cost less? Now, you can sit there and say, oh, I do that all the time. And I'm saying, no, let's do it more as a little think tank within your company. Grab someone from production, someone from design, someone from marketing, someone from estimating. Grab a you know, handful of folks together and say, okay, you know, our kitchens have grown to the point where they're totally out of control. Our primary bathrooms are totally out of control from a price point of view. Our additions. And actually brainstorm with the group, how do I take this $200,000 kitchen? Not a specific, a generic one, a generic $200,000 kitchen, and how do I get the cost down? How do I get the cost down? And out of it, really drive it and try to experience different ways you can get the cost down. So a couple, for example, you know, why do you, why do cabinets cost what they cost today? Well, I would argue they cost what they cost today in large part because of what you're selecting and specifying. You know, what about some of the individual products that you're using? Why do you have to go with a Pella window or a Marvin window? You know, I would at least encourage thinking about even a builder-grade window if, in fact, that gets the cost down. Because keep in mind, this is a matter of doing the project or not. You know, go to your trade contractors, plumbers, electrician, and ask them, you know, Bob or, or Mary, how do I get the cost down in this project? You know, your plumbing bid that came in at $15,000, how do I get it down to fourteen? Now, this is not a matter of just sharpening their pencil. This is a matter of helping them look at the project as a team with you because the costs have got out of control. So what is the outcome of all this? And you can do it with the products, the subs, internal labor. You can do it with the other costs, how you go about getting permits, how you even present costs to the client. All these things are ways to look at the cost. Well, if you have, in simplistic terms, a cost, cost, cost to you, uh, that you would mark up, let's say, 50%, and the cost to the client is it goes from 100000 to 150000 Imagine if you can get that cost down 20000 20, Now, all of a sudden, you get it down 20000 It's now a $120,000 project, not a $150,000 project. And I think what you've done is, like with a rubber band, is you've taken some of the tension off. What's happened with costs, like a rubber band, it stretched, it stretched, and stretched, and at some point, that rubber band snaps. And that's what you're seeing happening out there today, a lot of snapping rubber bands. You've got to inch it back to a level of tension that doesn't break that rubber band. So there's a lot of techniques on this one, but I encourage you, start with being proactive, say, I can't take it anymore, and figure out a way to have things cost more. Put your ego, put all the glamorous kind of fantasies aside, and try to control the fantasy, and I think you can get one more project at least out of 10, and for most of you, getting one more out of 10 is probably increasing your business by 30 to 50%. Okay, number five. Number five on my list is selling down. Now, you've heard me talk about this in other situations, 
But Cleveland Research actually did some interesting studies of consumer sentiment. And what they said in this consumer sentiment is, I want the project. I'm willing to compromise on the finishes and specifications. So have a conversation, develop training with your team to sell down, not sell up. Selling down has a lot of different legs to it. It's phasing projects. It's adjusting specifications. It's even adjusting what level of involvement you want the client to be or what your package should be in terms of the project. But I think the more that you can sell down, not up, it not only creates trust, but it also, I think, allows more projects to happen. You know, I use the example all the time. Whenever I go to a restaurant, I always ask the server, what would you recommend? When they recommend the most expensive thing on the menu, I don't trust them anymore. I don't listen to them anymore. When they pick out one or two things that are more mid-priced on the menu, I'm listening. I trust them. Selling remodeling is very similar to that. If you can just find a way to suggest things that are less expensive, you're going to create a different kind of relationship in this environment. So the next one is uh, number six on me is show them a path, a path and a process of how to manage their money, how to manage the budget. Now, I would encourage right out of the gate in the first conversation to have a client, a conversation with a client that what you do can go a couple different directions. We can design this to your budget and we can be very religious about that. Or what we can do is we can allow the fantasies to go on, but you have to have the emotional wherewithal to be able to pull back on the project. If you don't have that, then we ought to stick to your budget. So showing them a path, but regardless of the path, at the end when you pull all together the parts and pieces, let them know in advance that you're going to show them, number one, how you got to this particular number and budget, and then number two, you're going to create a menu of options that allows them to pull in or add to that to increase or decrease that level of investment they have. The important thing to this theme on number six is show them a path. You know, right now, many of your clients think of it as all or nothing. You know, I've got to do this project as evolved in design. Even though you say at the final hour, we can find ways for you to save, they, they're already beyond it at that point, And they're in a mode of, I want to punt and, and go on and think about other priorities in my life. And number seven, uh, and this is actually so important just psychologically for yourself because it's never good to make outs after outs after outs and be told your price is too high, is to not panic. You know, do not panic. You know, professional, though, leaves nothing to chance. You need to think about that theme. You need to be very proactive with how you approach this topic of controlling the fantasy and not just following the fantasy, I think, moving forward. You know, I think when you really sit back, remodeling and renovating their home is in such a good place. With interest rates escalating, 
many of those that would have moved are going to stay put. And what your job is, is to find that right kind of package that really works with a client. And I think you can do it more by the process, but also how you go about packaging the parts and pieces that go into their project for them to move forward. So I want to thank everybody to listen to this podcast today. I hope it's had a little bit more of teeth in the sense of let's get out and do something about it, not just reflect on it. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take care.